0: Hello, and welcome to The Adrian Ross Show, a product of the BMG Network. So glad you're tuned in at thebmgnetwork.com, the BMG Network's YouTube channel, or a major podcast platform. It's time for another exemplary episode. So here we go. I have a feeling that today's episode will be so good for so many. Look, I don't know many people who haven't gone through challenges. Many are going through challenges, myself included. As many of you know, I've dealt with physical issues. I'm still dealing with physical issues. The message on October 16th at my church, spoken by a guest speaker, encouraged me, though. It's about having a spirit of resilience, about hope through the process. Now, I don't often do this, have someone else's message as my podcast episode. But I truly believe that you will be encouraged by this particular word. So please listen or watch and be blessed.
1: Romans 8.28 says this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I'll read it one more time, but we know that God causes everything, can you say everything? Everything. To work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Lord, we thank you today for the things you have already put in motion. Thank you, Lord, for what you've been doing over the last few weeks in this church and the lives of your people. And this morning, God, as we open your word, we ask you that you would speak to us, that you would cause light to shine on your word and let it hit and reflect into our hearts. And I ask you, Lord, to help me today to minister your word in a way that would honor you and would help your people. And may you receive all the glory and the honor for it in Jesus' name. And Everyone can say amen and amen. Today, I want to talk to you on the subject of a resilient spirit, having a resilient spirit. The Lord put the word resilience on my mind uh, several months ago, earlier this summer. uh, I had the privilege of taking an eight-week sabbatical um, and just had that opportunity to just step away from the everyday work of the ministry at the church. And uh, gracious and kind people in our church filled the pulpit for me. And uh, tended to the to the congregation, but one of the words that I came out of that sabbatical with was resilience. And um, the resilience means the ability to return to your original form or position after being bent, compressed, and stretched. I'm pretty sure if I ask you to raise your hand. Most everybody, if not everyone, has been bent in some capacity, stretched, and compressed throughout your life. And the thing with, with that is God works in seasons. Uh, the fall season just began, uh, and depending on where you live, if you're in Tennessee, which is not too far from here, you're pretty, pretty sure you're going to experience four seasons in one week. Uh, it just works that way. Um, but but the thing about seasons is they have a starting point and an ending point. And G- God works in time, and he works in seasons, and resilience. Let's look at our main text today in Mark chapter 4. It's verse 35. This particular story is also um, recorded in a couple other gospels as well, in Matthew and in Luke. Let's look at Mark's version. Verse 35 says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. And you have to go on down to chapter 5, verse 1 says, So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. They arrived at the other side. Talking about a resilient spirit. First off in the text you see Jesus takes his disciples and he gives them a a direction. And he points the way. But the thing about the Lord is he never sends us alone. You always see the common thread throughout Jesus' earthly ministry. He always sent them at least two by two, if not more. And you often see him walking wherever they would go. And in this case, he said, let us go to the other side of the lake. Let us cross over to the other side. He said, let us. The first guarantee and the promise that we have from from the Lord in our life, that when we link our life with him, when we surrender our life to him, there's an eternal promise and scriptural balance that comes to play. And that is he will never leave us. And he will never forsake us. I know at times it may feel like you're completely alone in life sometimes. But there is the guarantee that the spirit of God, the presence of our Lord, our Savior will never leave us and never Abandon us. In fact, he tells us throughout Scripture, you can trace it all the way back to Jacob in Genesis 28, when Jacob had made uh, had come to a place of repentance, and he had wrestled with God, and God wanted to reset some things in his life. He wanted Jacob to bounce back, to return to his original position, to be who he was destined to be, but he had to be humbled. He had to walk through some things, and he had to be humbled, and God humbled him, and they wrestled, they entangled, they came together, and, and Jacob struggled with him, But God told him, look, I will finish what I told you that I had started in your life. I will not leave it undone. You see this with Joshua. When Moses was about to pass away and the mantle of leadership was passed on to Joshua to be the leader of Israel, to take them into the promised land, Moses told him, hey, God will forever be with you. He will, In fact, he will go ahead of you, personally go ahead of you. You know, you ever go into a place and you don't know where to go and you find someone, maybe it's a it's a restaurant or it's a business, it's uh it's a shopping store, or maybe it's a church and you walk in and there's someone there who knows what's going on and you can tell that and you ask them, "Hey, where's the restroom or where is this this place where I need to be?" and they can either stop and point you in the direction or they can personally walk you there. How many of you know a personal walk to a location? means so much more than someone just pointing you in a direction. This morning, your pastor didn't just point me on where I needed to be. He walked with me. He made me feel welcome. Uh, he made me feel a part of this place. And there's, so much, there's something to be said about a personal walk with the Lord. He doesn't just point us, but he goes with us. In fact, Paul writes to the Philippians and he tells them this in chapter 1. He says, listen, the work God has begun in you he will see that he finishes it all the way until the return of Christ Jesus. Paul was able to take time at that moment and look so far into the future and tell the Philippian believers what God has started in your life, he's going to finish in your life. And friend, I want to tell you that today, that what God has begun in your life, what he has begun in your home, what he has begun in your heart, what he has begun in, in, in your relationship, he's going to see to it. As long as you look to him and let him lead and let him guide, and let Jesus take the will then he will take you and finish what he started in your life he will never leave you he will never abandon you. In fact, the apostle John said this in 1 John 4, greater is the spirit of God in you than he that is in the world. You see, something that we have as believers, if you're a believer in in Christ and you have the power of the Holy Spirit filling you, you have something greater in you than anything else in this world. Greatness lives on the inside of a believer. Greatness lives on the inside of someone who loves Jesus. Greatness lives on the inside of you. It's not about you shining your light. It's about the light of Christ shining out of your life. And greatness lives in you. And don't you believe, don't you just think for a moment that if the greatness of God lives inside of a human being, that that greatness of God wants to break forth, wants to be fulfilled, wants to be developed, wants to be birthed, wants to be produced, wants to come out in its fullness of all of who he is in your life. Absolutely, that is the case. God redeems, God restores, And God recreates things and makes them new in your life. And I I just want to remind you as we look at this story that God, the presence of the Lord, Jesus himself was with them. But then he gave the direction. He said, hey, not only am I with you, but let us cross to the other side. Let us go across to the other side. So what's on the other side? Well, to, read what's on the, to know what's on the other side, you've got to read chapter 5, which we're not going to read it today for time, but I'll simply simplify it in this matter. On the other side is purpose. Can you say purpose? On the other side is purpose. But in order to experience purpose, you have to go through process. And that's the part that I don't, I don't know anyone who just wakes up loving to go through process. I just God today I wake up. I just want you to send me through the ringer. Nobody wakes up praying those prayers. Why? Because it, it doesn't feel good. To have to go through anything, does it? Doesn't feel good to have to wait. Doesn't feel good to have to be patient. Doesn't feel good to have to repent. Doesn't feel good to have to humble ourselves. It doesn't feel good to have to learn something where we think we already know it. It doesn't feel good to have to go through process. But if we want to get to purpose, we have to go through process. And let me just remind you that God wastes nothing, nothing is wasted on God. There's purpose in pain, there's strength from the struggle, there's freedom from the fight. Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame for the joy that was set before him. He endured. Jacob, again, wrestled with God and won, and God changed his name. God changed his name. There's something to be said about going through process. But what did they go through? It says after they got in the boat and they began, a fierce storm came up, a fierce storm. Back in March, the end of March, our area where our church is located and where our school is located endured a F3 tornado. Thankfully, no one was there. And uh, we were scheduled to be there for after-school activities and then that night for midweek church events and service, but we uh, canceled everything about noon or 1 o'clock, somewhere in that time frame, and then at 6.15, the tornado barreled through and ripped off part of our gymnasium right where our next-gen youth ministry would have been having their service. And, uh, And so that was the end of March. It is now the middle of October and the roof just got finished um, one month ago, one month ago. That's just the roof. You've got gutters still to be put on. You've got heater exhaust to still be attached. There's no heat in the gym yet, and you know it's about to get cold. And uh, let's see, there are windows just, 12 windows just got replaced. Um, there is still um, leakage from where the two buildings joined together, the gymnasium. The gymnasium was built in 1955, and so, or excuse me, the entire property was built in 1955, and so the way construction was done then is not always the same. It's done now, and, um, and so the way the two buildings are joined together, there's leakage uh, that was developed also from the storm. Water still comes inside when it rains heavy, and it just rained sideways uh, last Wednesday. Uh, it was crazy, and so water was just barreling through the doors, And, um, and so our Eden and some other friends uh, from school were kind enough to get the squeegees and the mops and started doing their thing because church was happening in just a couple of hours. They had to get the floor dry and all these things. And so we met with the landlord the other day and explained to them what was going on. And they were like, we know, we understand, and we're trying to do all we can. But how many of you know, man, going through and dealing with storms of any kind, uh, can really try your patience and your kindness. Because as Christians, sometimes we don't think we should have to go through anything, right? right? But man, as you go all the way back to the beginning of the book, it seems like every generation had to go through something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They had to go through something. And Jesus, I believe, was teaching his disciples, look, there's purpose on that over over there, across the other side. But in order to get to purpose, guys, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have to tell you something. We're going to have to go through something. Now, here's the thing with God. He does not always let us in on what we have to go through in order to get somewhere. (laughs) It's like, can we just have a little talk with Jesus? (laughs) Tell him all about our troubles. Tell him, you did not tell me that we were going to have to go through this in order to get to that. Now, you were so awesome and amazing and kind when you told us, here's what I got planned for you. Here's this purpose I got created for you. And man, it makes me smile. It makes my heart swell up. It gets me excited. gets me out of bed to want to look ahead and all these things. But you forgot to tell me that I was going to have this storm to contend with. (laughs) It rains everywhere, doesn't it? But here's the good news. God cares about what we go through. He cares. So this fierce storm came up. Here they were freaking out. And here's the thing. The enemy uses storms for one purpose. God uses storms for a different purpose. The enemy uses storms to try to get us to lose sight of the Lord to try to get us to lose sight of what's on the other side, our purpose. He tries to bring destruction. He tries to detour our lives. He tries to bring discouragement our way and tries to dishearten us and so many other things that he tries to do. The enemy uses storms in one way, to rip us apart from what God has created us for and what he has called us to. God uses storms, however, to change us, to grow us, to get our attention and to keep our attention. And the enemy's purpose, you can see, began to work in the disciples' lives. They began to freak out. They got scared, obviously. They're going across the lake. They think they're just having a casual stroll across some water. And we'll get to the other side, and maybe there'll be some folks waiting for us who will have some filet mignon set inside or, you know, some coffee at least. And we'll just kind of casually stroll into the other side and see what's going on. But no, on the way, they encountered this fierce storm that just scared them. It freaked them out and they were about, they thought they were about to die. They thought we're going to, this is it. This is it. We're drowning. This is over. And their eyes got off of what Jesus had told them to focus on. They saw the effects of the storm, afraid of the storm, and they completely forgot that Jesus had just told them, like he tells us many times, hey, we're going across to the other side. Then you see God's purpose go to work. There's a parallel here that Jesus went through early on before he entered his earthly ministry. It's recorded in Matthew four and Luke four, and uh, it said that he had just gotten water baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, and then it said he was led into the wilderness. Other scripture or other translations will say he was driven into the wilderness to fast and pray for forty days. Now, oftentimes we might look at that and think, "Man, that must be nice to have time to just go fast and pray." But it's often what is happening behind the scenes in, in the unseen part of our world where we fight principalities and spirits of darkness. And that's where Jesus found himself. Found himself fighting off the temptation of the enemy who came to him three times and said, Hey, if you are the Son of God, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? And if you do that, I'll do this. I'll do that. And I'll do this. And each time Jesus counteracted him with the word of God. And he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. But by the time, as you might know, if you get out of a time of prayer and fasting, you're tired and you're hungry. And uh, maybe hangry by that time. Anybody ever get hangry? You're hungry and angry at the same time? Yeah. And um, and, and I don't plan to go till three. So uh, I, w- I don't want to experience any hangry Christians here today. Um, but... That's where he, went. he was. He was depleted. He found himself depleted, and uh, I love this how how the writers show the humanity of Christ as well. We have to remember he was one hundred percent man and one hundred percent God, and it shows his humanity. And Jesus understands it's okay for humans to be humans, right? That we have this expression of our humanity because we don't have div- we don't have the fullness of everything just yet, and so we're going to experience some of the same things Jesus did. In fact, it says in uh, Hebrews chapter four that Jesus encountered the same things you and I encounter, but yet without sinning, he didn't let it overtake him. He overtook them, yeah. and he overcame them. And and, he, and the parallel is you see how the enemy tried to draw his attention away. From God. You see how the enemy tried to get his sight off of what was sacred. And you see how the enemy was trying to work to pull his focus from fulfilling his purpose. But then you see God go to work in this story, in this parallel of Jesus going through this wilderness season. How at the end of the story, it said that angels came and cared for Jesus. And then in Luke chapter 4, Luke writes in the very next part, he said, and Jesus returned to Galilee in the full power of the Holy Spirit. You see, we get empowered as we go through. We get empowered, let us say it this way, we get empowered as we endure. As we endure, as we endure process, as we endure issues, as we endure storms, as we endure seasons of setbacks and trials, God is challenging us and God is changing us. God is equipping us and God is empowering us. God is making us stronger and mightier and more humble through the process, but at the same time, he knows what lies on the other side. Because, see, there are some things you and I are called to do, but we're not ready to handle it. There are seasons that God has set aside for us to live out, to accomplish, to fulfill. But at this present moment, he knows that if we step into it too soon, we will not be able to honor him in the way we live, in the way we handle that next part of life. And so we all have to go through storms. We all have to go through seasons that try us, seasons that test us and times of temptation, and so God cares about what we go through, and he, and he takes the time, and these disciples call on the Lord. There they are in the middle of the storm. The good news is Jesus was with them. Jesus is with us, and they call him out. They wake him up, actually, and they, you, you do even care that we're about to die, and he wakes up, and he rebukes the wind and he rebukes the waves and everything goes still everything goes silent everything goes peaceful and he says hey do you not have faith where's your faith and i and and i i've uh, looked at that a couple different ways one way i'd like us to maybe look at it this way i would just propose to you where he says why are you afraid do you still have no faith it said they were absolutely terrified is i, th- I look at it in this in this angle is is that when you do have faith, why are you afraid? Is It wasn't faith because of in, of in the sense that, he, that they didn't think they could make it. They, they didn't think they were going to make it. They thought this was it. But faith to believe that he's with us in the middle of the storm. Because it's one thing with our natural eyes to see the scenarios of life playing out, to see the storms wreak havoc on our life. And to feel the effect of those storms. But then to have faith that Jesus is with us in the middle of those storms. And to have faith that if Jesus is with us, Jesus also prefaced that with, hey, we are going together through this. We are going together through this. And so don't let the way you feel get you down. Don't let the way you feel get you down. I think just like the disciples with Jesus, he allows us to be real with him. And we can tell the Lord, Lord, I'm terrified. I'm, I'm afraid. I am freaked out. In fact, you see that with Moses all the way back when he was the mighty deliverer of Israel. He would go to the side and tell God, look, I don't know what to do. I don't know how you want me to handle this. I am completely unsure about which direction to go. And I think it's okay if we get honest with God, because I think when we get honest with God, God can do some real things in us. In fact, Paul says it this way, when I am weak, he is strong. And so we don't have to walk around like we're, we're the superhero. We don't have to walk around like we're Marvel characters. We don't have to walk around like we've got it all going on because truth be told, we don't have it all going on. We can only have it going on for so long. And then pretty soon we're going to get tired. We're going to get depleted. We're going to get hangry. We're going to start to feel the effects of the storm. And, you know, we're going to start to lose our mind up in here, up in here. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to start to feel the effects of life get to us. And we can't be faking it till we make it. We need to drop to our knees and call in the name of the Lord and tell him, I'm scared, I'm freaked out, I'm broke, I'm busted, I'm disgusted. I don't even know what to do anymore with these kids you've given me. I don't know what to do with this spouse you've entrusted unto me. I don't know what to do with this job you've blessed me with. I don't know what to do with any of this part of life right now. I need your help. And here's the deal. Jesus shows up. Jesus rebuked the storm. And then... Jesus got them to the other side. And that is the powerful point that I want to get to to end this part. They arrived to the other side. I like how Mark writes, he says so. Here's this story about these disciples. We're in this boat, we're going across this this lake. And this fierce storm comes up, man, and it's so ravaging. It's, so, it's blowing so hard, blowing sideways, waves, waters coming into our boat. And, we're, and these guys, were, some of these disciples were fishermen. They were accustomed to the wind and the waves and the water. They were accustomed to the nighttime effects of what was happening with the waves. It, it was no, no surprise to them, but yet in this moment, it had got the best of them. It had got the best of them. And then Mark says, So. (laughs) So they arrived at the other side. They arrived. But they only arrived to the other side after having gone through the storm. Jesus was able to turn their attention back to him and back to the purpose he had for their life. And here's Here's, listen to this. When God gets our attention, he fixes our attention on his holiness. On his holiness. When the Lord instructed Moses to go to the people, they had been, you know, wandering around for a long time. And from place to place, in each place, there was always a a complaint department. And, And they expected Moses to fix it on the spot. And, and I'm pretty sure by this time, he, he had gotten the best of him. He was tired of doing everything they asked him to do. And make, like, wildernesses are supposed to be easy. And, he, and he's like, this is not easy. And, and he prayed, and he, asked him, he and Aaron prayed, and they asked him, well, what do we do? They're saying they're thirsty, but there's no good water to drink. I understand you had a massive water issue here in Cape not too long ago. Complete disruption of life, Right. I mean, you, I don't, you know, your clothes, your, your drinking water, um, uh, you name it. You, you had to go and buy water, and they, I hear they marked the prices up on a lot of things. And all of these different things were taking place. And you were like, well, you got to have water to survive. So their, the complaint is legitimate. They need real water to be able to drink. But it was how it was going to be provided. And the Lord told Moses, I want you to go over there, and all I want you to do is take your staff and just speak. To the rock. And when you speak to the rock, water's going to come out. Good water's going to flow. Well, here's what Moses did. He got back over there in front of everybody, and something just kind of rose up within him. He was just so, so done. And he took his staff, and he hit the rock. He struck the rock instead of speaking to it. Well, God honored his part. Water came out. Good water to drink came out. But here's what happened He took Moses and the Lord took Moses and Aaron to the side, and he said, You didn't trust me enough to display my holiness to the people because you struck the rock instead of just speaking to it. God wanted to show his strength. In stillness, not in a harsh way. In a stillness, Moses, just speak to the rock. Isn't that interesting? Moses had an issue with stuttering. And here God, he would already told, you know, this is way after they were delivered, way after they left Pharaoh's place, and all the different times they had to go back and forth and speak. And now God was wanting to use an impediment in Moses to show his strength. It wasn't what was in his hand at that point, at that moment, it was what was in his mouth. And I, you, we can't blame Moses. We have the story, we have the back end. We twenty twenty hindsight twenty twenty, right? But it's like, man, how many times have we taken matters into our own hands when God was just trying to work through stillness and quietness, but yet we wanted to be loud and have some big thing happen? God was just wanting to have a holy moment. To show himself strong. And when God gets our attention, he fixes it on his holiness. Moses, way on back at the burning bush. Moses had forgotten about that perhaps. I don't know. But how many times have we been brought to the burning bush where it got our attention? Our attention, we were in the middle of life and God showed up got our attention to look this way, and we see and we know, we believe, this is God speaking to us, this is God showing himself to me. But years go by, time goes by, and we forget sometimes about our burning bush moments. Joshua at the Jordan River, he was about to take the people over. God got his attention, and he said, listen. He told him something that Moses had already told him, But this time it was the Lord having that personal conversation with him. Be strong and courageous. Three times. God got Joshua's attention. God got Samuel, the prophet's attention. When Saul, the king, had disobeyed the Lord and God had had said, you know what, Saul's time is coming to an end. He's no longer going to reign as king. I have seen for myself someone else whom I have appointed to be the next king. And he asked Samuel this question, How long will you mourn over Saul? How long will you mourn over the past? I have something for you in the future, and I need you to see what I see. I have seen for myself the next king. I need you to see it with me. Get your flask and your horn of oil, and I need you to go to Bethlehem, to Jesse's house, and there is a son there, a child there. His name is David. He's going to be the next king. I need you to see what I see. God has a way of getting our attention when we go through storms. But when he gets our attention, he fixes it on his holiness. And today I want to ask you this question. What kind of storms are you facing? In your life, what kind of storms are you facing in your life? I don't. I don't say these next few things as just because I tried to fill some notes with some words, but I want to. I want to present some, some possible scenarios to you that I just kind of sense that there's some folks here today that are dealing and wrestling with and going through some storms, or maybe you just maybe just um, got over something. And you're not sure yet how to catch your breath. What kind of storms are you facing today in your life? Maybe financial storm. Maybe a health storm. Maybe just personal sin struggles and cycles. You constantly find yourself being defeated by things in your life. What kind of storms are you facing today? Maybe marriage, marital relationships. Maybe family conflict storms. Maybe work-related storms. Maybe there's some friends in your life, things have gotten choppy. What kind of storms are you facing today? Don't be afraid of what you're dealing with right now. Don't let the storms you're facing take away from you what God wants to do in you. Don't lose sight of the Lord in the midst of your storm. Don't don't, don't, don't play into the, to the clever, crafty, wicked schemes of the enemy that tries to get you to believe, you know what, you're the only one dealing with this. You're the only one going through this. Look, nobody else around you can even... Can even have compassion, because they don't even know what it's like to, to be you. True, no one knows what it's like to be one another. But the Bible tells us that, hey, our brothers and sisters are going through suffering all around the world, all types of things. Don't buy into the works of the enemy today. Don't lose sight of the Lord, and don't lose sight of the purpose God has for you. Because as challenging, as difficult, as disheartening, as discouraging it might be in your life today, God always has hope because God is the source of all hope. God has already pointed and shown us the way. Let us go across to the other side. Today, God wants to show you something. God wants to get your attention to see that He is our provider. He wants us to see that He is our healer. He wants you to see today that He is our forgiver. God wants to open your eyes and get your attention to see that he is our restorer, that he is our reconciler, that God is our peacemaker. He wants you to see him today, that he is our joy giver, that he is our hope filler, that he is our purpose creator. I don't know what kind of storms you may be facing today, but whatever storms you're dealing with in your life today, let it be marked today that God wants to reassure you. God wants to reemphasize himself to you that he is the one who is with you. He is the one who will take you through whatever it is you're dealing with today. God wants to show himself strong and show himself mighty on your behalf today. In fact, Daniel said it this way that the eyes of the Lord are searching across the world looking across the earth for hearts who are loyal to him because it's those hearts that he can strengthen. And if your heart is turned towards God in any capacity whatsoever, you can rest assured that God sees you and God cares for you. And God wants you to have faith to believe that you're not the one who's superhero, but he is the one who overcomes. He's the one who was put in the grave. He was the one who was marked on the cross. He was the one who was buried for three days. He is the one who went to hell to take back the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and on the third day rose from the dead and is forever sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. If there's anyone anywhere who knows what it's like to have a resilient spirit. It is our Savior. It is our Lord. It is our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who came and who conquered and who overcomes and is forever making intercession for you. He sees you today. He knows you by name. He can mark you today. He sees your trial. He sees your error. He sees where you have made a fall, but at the same time, He does not come to bash you. He comes to save you. He comes to love you. He comes to pick you up. He comes to show himself faithful and true as he always has been and forever will be. So don't buy into the lies of the enemy today that would try to get you to think you're not worth it. You're not worth it. The enemy would like to make you think that but no God wants you to believe this he's with you in your boat. He sees it sinking, but he's not going to let it sink. He sees you scared, but he's not going to let you remain there. He has, already, he has already commanded in your life, let's go across to the other side because there's purpose on the other side that he has created you for.
0: Wasn't that good? Yeah, that was some good stuff, some encouraging stuff right there. And I encourage you to actually watch the entire service. If you go to Facebook, Christ Church of the Heartland. You can watch or listen to the entire service. That was just a portion of what was spoken. There were words spoken to the family of God in general, to those in attendance, to particular people who were in the house on that day, October 16th. And you will be encouraged, you will be blessed by watching the whole thing. So I encourage you again. That's Christ Church of the Heartland on Facebook. Also want to encourage you to leave a rating and review on a major podcast platform for the Adrian Ross show. I appreciate that. And I'd love to share them on the show when I have them. Also go to the bmgnetwork.com and check out the other podcasts there. We are enlightening and informative and engaging and also at times entertaining. So do that also. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will catch you on the next episode of The Adrian Ross Show. God bless you abundantly. The Adrian Ross Show was produced and edited in the BMG studio. The music was provided by Kevin McCloud. Find more episodes of the Adrian Ross show at the and major podcast platforms. Be sure to tune in regularly. You don't want to miss even one episode.